Hey everybody, welcome to Elevation Church. We're so glad that you're tuning in and joining us online. Uh, I hope that your day is going well. Excited to finalize and finish a series that we've been in called Realignment. Now, you may or may not know this at this point, but I've been on vacation the last few weeks, and I tell you, it's just been good. It's been good to be away. It's been good to just kind of disconnect, and so thankful for Pastor Tony and, and Bishop AJ and Dustin and, and David for, for stepping in and, and sharing such powerful messages on the book of Ephesians. And like I said, I'm just excited to kind of end that series today. Uh, wanted to read just kind of right out of the chute what we are just calling our series verses. This is in Ephesians chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10. It goes 8 through 10. Listen to this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Uh, there's so much wrapped up in that. But you've been saved, not by yourself or anything that you've done, but by his grace when, when you believed, when you said yes to Jesus. And the reason that is is because we, God doesn't want us to take credit for this. See, it's a gift from God. See, in verse 9, it says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that we could boast about it. Verse 10, get this. You have to get this. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. Say it with me. Masterpiece. It's so important you see that. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he's planned for us long ago. Right there in that verse, you see really a summary of the entire book of Ephesians. The first part of that sentence is that you are a masterpiece created anew. And that's the first three chapters. And then he goes on to say that we have been created to do good things that God has planned for us to do in advance. And that's the following Verses or following chapters of four, five, and six. And so today I'm going to focus in on chapter six, but I think it's important that you remember why we've been talking about this book. What's this all about? Well, alignment and being realigned with the things of God is so essential to the church's success, so essential to the Christian being successful in their walk with Christ that we have to dig in and understand what's going on. Because see, here's the thing. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know where you come from, if you don't know what it's all about, it's really hard to know what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what's so great about this book is it helps us to see exactly who we are and exactly what we're supposed to be doing. So for the Christian that's listening today, you are not ever going to be able to wiggle out of this. See, if you read the book of Ephesians, there's no way to read through the book of Ephesians and not understand who you are and what you're supposed to be doing. And so here's the big idea we've been throwing around over the last few weeks, and it's this. We have a privileged position that requires responsible living. Let me say that again. We have a privileged position that requires responsible living. That's what we're called to. We have a privileged position as followers of Jesus. We are his masterpiece. We've been created anew with a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and we have to live responsibly towards that plan and that purpose. Now, like I said, we, we've heard multiple messages on this. And, and, and one of the things I wanted to kind of just draw your attention again to was, was here in chapter 4. In verse 22, it's so important you see this. In verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature 
and your former way of life. So, so, so what the writer, what Paul is saying to us is that we should throw something off. And, and what he's using is, is this kind of language of garments. And so it's almost like he's saying, take that shirt off. Take that shirt off and throw it away, okay? And so he says, take off the old sinful nature of your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. But look what he says in verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. How many of us need the Spirit of God to renew our thoughts and our attitudes? Have you had a bad attitude this week? Have you been frustrated with a lot of things? God needs, we need God to renew our attitudes, right? And so he says, so God is in the business of renewing our thoughts and our attitudes. And then listen to what he says in verse 24. Put on. So he's saying, take off that old garment and put a new garment on. He says, put on the new nature created to be like God. Did you know that you were created to be like God? I just think that's so amazing. And he says, so you have been created to be new by God. And he says, truly righteous and holy. Wow. I love to think about the fact that, that as I take off the old garment, I get to put on a new garment. And that new garment is a garment of righteousness and holiness. And so see, wherever you've been, Wherever you've, whatever you've done, matter of fact, you may just be coming off a bender last night. But listen, the Bible says that you can take off the old and put on the new. So why don't we change some clothes? That's, that's what he's saying. He's like, he's trying to say, change your clothes. We need to change our clothes. We need to take off the old and put on the new. The old way of, uh, he says, you need to take off and put away lying. We need to put away bitterness. We need to take off anger. Come on. We need to take off harsh words. These are pretty significant things, but he's saying you got to take these things off. You got to put them over there. You got you to throw them in the laundry basket, you see? And then he goes on and he says uh, to us that we must put on something. We must put on a, a, a kindness to one another. We must, we must put on tenderheartedness towards one another. We must put on forgiveness towards one another. Even the people that, that we don't want to forgive, the Bible calls us to forgive. See, God is, God is the, the ultimate tailor. He's the ultimate tailor, and he makes fine clothes for his people. And these fine clothes, he wants us to put on. He wants his sons and his daughters to wear uh, these suitable garments I don't know if you know that as a masterpiece, as, as, as royalty, that you're called to wear a certain garment. And some of us are wearing garments right now that are beneath the garments that God intended for your life. And you need to take those garments off and put on the garments of a son or daughter of the Most High God. You see why that's important? It's important because if you don't start there, if you don't know that about yourself, it's hard to really put into play all that God has for you. And that's what's happening in this book is, is that there's a shift happening. If you, if you read chapters 1, 2, and 3, you start to understand who you are. But in 4, there's this pivot that's happened. There's a shift that's happened. And, it, and what's being said is you need to now take everything that I've said and begin to put it into practice. And so there's this change that needs to happen. 
There's this change that needs to occur. Now, before COVID-19, some of us maybe used to go down to Forest Park and we used to enjoy Forest Park and maybe you'd go to the zoo or or maybe you'd go to the art museum and and perhaps you haven't been there in a while. I I haven't been there. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if it's open anymore. But but, but here's the thing. I used to love to go to the art museum and and, and there's great art and there's there's some really amazing paintings and and pictures to look at, but, 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 but I really enjoyed the armory. <laughs> I know that's kind of weird. You're like, they even have that? Yeah. Like if you go deep enough into the art museum, you find all of these uh, uh, swords and suits of armor and, and all these kinds of things that are pretty amazing. I mean, they're pretty fascinating things. And they date back all the way to, you know, old times. And, 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 and it's, just, it's just really cool. But the, you know the thing about armor? Armor was never intended to sit in a museum. It was never intended to collect dust. It was never intended to just kind of be there so I could look at it. It was intended to be put on for a purpose, and that purpose was battle. That purpose was war. And see, that's what Paul is trying to get us to see, is that we need to stop looking at life as just kind of a walk through the fields. You know, happy by and by. No, no, we are in a war. We are in a battle for this world. And the enemy wants nothing more than to kill, steal, and destroy. And my friends, he's doing a lot of it right now. There's so much division in our country. There's so much division in our politics. There's so much division all over the church right now. And do you think that's coming from God? I can tell you it's not. Because see, the enemy is the one that's busy. He's busy creating division and disunity. And friends, I know this, and this is a sad truth, that sometimes Christians even, who think they're right, are being used by the devil to create division. My friends, we are in a war. We are in a battle, and it requires us to be what Ephesians calls us to be, We are called to be people of kindness. We are called to be people of tenderheartedness. We are called to be people of forgiveness. And let me just say this. If at some point it's so important for you to be right and not be kind, you have a problem, my friend. God calls us to be a certain type of person. God calls us to, to, to say to the world, this is who we are. We look different than everybody else because of, because of who we have in us, because the Spirit of God lives in us, because of what God has done for us, because of what Christ has done for me that I didn't deserve. I've been forgiven much, and therefore I need to forgive much. You see, we're called to be in this battle, but we've got to make sure that we're equipped. We're never intended to sit in a museum. We are intended to put on the armor that God has called us to put on so that we could get to work, so that we could do the things that he's called us to do, so that we could go to battle. So we need to put on the new garments that God calls us to, kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, but we also need to put on our armor. And the reason we put on armor is that we get to work in the battle. See, see, let me, let me just say it to you this way. The redeemed are in a battle. And if you're redeemed of the Lord, if you're redeemed of the Lord, you are in a battle. You are in a battle for this world. You are in battle for your family. You are in battle against oppression. You are in battle against all the things in this world that are standing against God's kingdom coming. 
That is what we're called to do as believers. Let me, let me read this to you again. I know it's familiar to you because we've read it so much. And probably at this point you're like, Pastor, I've heard it. I know, I know, I know. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to do something with it. And here's the thing I want you to read. If you have your Bibles, read along with me, but I'm going to read it. It'll be on the screens. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. And I know that's a long chapter, but just stay with me. Or a long couple of verses, but stay with me. A final word. So Paul is saying, hey, I have a final word. Here it is. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Whose power? His power. Not your power, his power. That's good news. Because if it was just my biceps, we would be in trouble. But the Lord's arms are strong. Matter of fact, is his arm too short to save, the Bible says? Absolutely not. God is mighty. And so it's in his power, he says. So, so, so make sure that you understand that whatever you're going to function in, you are functioning in his power, not your own. It's important. Verse 11. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to what? Stand firm against the strategies of the devil. We're called to stand firm. We're in a war, remember? We're in a war. And there are, 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 are fiery darts, he's going to say in just a moment, that are being thrown at us. You have a spiritual enemy, whether you know it or not. Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, we've talked a lot about that. And the reason that we've talked a lot about that is because so often we focus on the person. And God wants us to see, look, 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 our war is not with people. Our war is with the enemy because he's busy. He's stirring things up. He's causing all kinds of trouble. And we're supposed to see it and not just see it. We're supposed to get our armor on and go to war, to go to battle over it. Listen to this. He goes on to say to us, he says, then after the battle, you'll be able to stand firm as you resist the enemy, right? Verse 14, stand your ground. Look at this. He starts to list certain pieces of armor that you need to put on. And, and, and maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've heard the whole thing about armor. I get it. I get it. But don't tune out yet. Please don't. Because you've got to understand what this is about. Because if you try to go to war without the proper attire, what happens? You know what happens. You get defeated. And God doesn't want you to be defeated. You are an overcomer. You are to live in victory. But you have to do it God's way. And so what does he say to us? He says, okay, look, if you're going to go to war, you need to make sure that you're putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for, for, for shoes put on for peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared, he says. And then in verse 16, he says, in addition to all these, hold up your shield of faith and stop the, that will stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And so the, the devil is throwing things at you and he's saying, make sure you have something to keep that from happening or get, keep it from getting to you. In verse 17, put on salvation, put on the salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on all occasions. And then he says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Do you know what that means? That means that I should be praying for believers that I don't agree with. 
that I should be praying for people simply because they're believers. Not because I agree with them, but because they're believers. And so I'm called to pray for those individuals. And so what I want to do for just a few minutes is I want us to kind of comb through these particular items that God tells us to put on. Because we need to put these on. Because why? The redeemed are in a battle. You are in a battle, and these are the things that the Bible calls you to put on. The first is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, now this belt of truth is a very important thing. Let me, let me say it in maybe a little bit more common terminology. I believe that this is the believer's integrity. This is what, what the Bible says, is this is your integrity. You're putting on integrity. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I, I love the way that Dr. Henry Cloud says it. He says that integrity is something that matters in all areas of our life. Every, everybody, in all areas, it matters. He says integrity is more than simple honesty. Because, see, one can be honest and still lie. <laughs> One can be honest and still lie, he says. He says, true integrity is the ingredient necessary for lasting success. So if you want to be successful, the Bible says that you need to have integrity. And so you need to put on this belt of truth and live that out. So he goes on to say, he says, usually people think that integrity means being ethical or moral. But it doesn't mean that. Listen to this. He says... If you look to the true definition of the word, it means to be whole, integrated, complete. Dr. Cloud goes on to say that our character, that our, says our character, the ability to meet the demands of reality determines our integrity. Do, do you see what he's saying? He's saying that, that your character connected with your ability to accomplish whatever's been put in front of you actually is the thing that determines your integrity. Because, see, the word itself, is a, is a, it's actually a, a, a mathematical term. It comes from the, the, the integer. So that's where you get integrity, that word, integer, which is a whole number, right? And so what, 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 what was being said is that you are called to be whole. You are called to be a whole person, fully integrated. And that means that if you're a chair, you have the capacity to hold the weight that you are taking, you see. And so what, 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 what's being said is that if I'm a person of integrity, if I'm a person that lives by truth, that that means that I am somebody that is whole and has the capacity to carry out the things that God has put in front of me. And see, the good news is, is that by God's power, you do. But what has to happen is you have to begin to understand that God calls you to be whole. And the only way you're going to be whole is that you live by the truth. Is that you begin to tie that around your waist and begin to understand that it's so important for the battle. Okay, so number two, got to move on. I can't spend a ton of time on this, but number two is the breastplate of righteousness. And so there's this breastplate of righteousness that he says you need to put on. And, and, and I'll say it a, a little more commonly, is that this is what I call the believer's purity. This is your purity. And your purity doesn't come from what you do necessarily. It comes from God and what he's done on your behalf. That's where it starts. Let me show you. See, Christ's righteousness is given to you. And so your purity comes from someone else. Your purity comes from Jesus. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 5, 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be, look at this, 
so that we could be made right with God through Christ. What he's saying is that Christ gives us his righteousness and that we put it on like a garment. We put it on like a garment. And see, that's the breastplate of righteousness. And so when any of the fiery darts come at us, when the lies of the enemy, the accusations of the enemy that says you can't, you're not good enough, you'll never amount to anything. See, see, we can stand and say, you know what? I'm not defined by you. I'm defined by the one that gave me the righteousness. I'm defined by the one that, that puts this breastplate of righteousness on me. And see, it's more involved than that. It's not just the righteousness that, I, that I've received from Christ. But this breastplate of righteousness is also action too. It's not just receiving, but it's something that I act in. I love the way that it's talked about in Revelation 19.8. It's talking about the the believers at the end of times. And and, and one of the things, the, the phrasing here, I'll just read it to you. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Do you see it? In other words, that our actions can be righteous. That that there are things that come from this breastplate of righteousness that isn't just defensive, but it's also offensive. It's the kinds of things that we do in the world to love people. The righteous acts of the gospel as we share the gospel with people, as we help the poor, as we care for the widows and the orphans, as we fight injustice, as we do all the things that God has called us to do. These are the things that we're called to. So as we put on the breastplate of righteousness, Help us to always remember, God, that we receive it from you, but we also give it away. That we are righteousness incarnate to anybody and everybody that we meet. Man, my friends, that is powerful. The third thing that we see is the shoes of peace. How many of you need some peace today? How many of you are like, oh man, sign me up. I need some peace today. See, see, we need the peace. See, this is the believer's tranquility. You can have peace. Did you know that? You may have had the hardest week of your life, but even in the middle of that, you can still have peace. That's what the Bible promises. Look, I'll just share with you just a basic definition of peace. Peace is that state of freedom. Look look what it's freedom from. You ready? Freedom from anxiety and inner turmoil. You have any of that? See, the Bible says that you can have freedom from that, that you can be free from that, uh, that that you can be full of joy and peace. See, see, because the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace. See, you can have peace. See, peace is this this sense of freedom from worry. And and I was was looking at these kind of idioms about this, about about peace in general. And one of them, there are just a couple here. I'll just read them to you. They're they're kind of interesting. But one is uh, to sit down in the heart. Write that down. To sit down in the heart. Because then is it true when we're out of, we're out of control, we're just, we, we have no peace. It's like something in us is just standing up, worried, wringing our hands. I love the way that it says to sit down in the heart. Or here's, here's one that's kind of weird. He says to rest in the liver. <laughs> to rest in the liver. I thought that was weird. So, so, so I guess your liver was quivering, you know, because you were so worried. He's like to rest in your liver. And then here's the other one. To, to be quiet in one's inner self. To be quiet in one's inner self. I've lived long enough to know that I will trade money for peace every time. Every time. I would rather have peace than anything else. 
I'd rather be centered in the Lord, exactly knowing who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. That's the kind of peace that God can give you. And my friends, that's what I want you to see, that you can put on this this peace, that you can put on righteousness, that you can put on truth. And then number four is that you can have the shield of faith. The shield of faith. This is the believer's certainty. This is your certainty. This is how you navigate a chaotic and and stressful world. This is how you maintain your peace is when you put on the shield of faith. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Roman soldiers would carry around these wooden uh, shields. And they, they were about two feet by four feet. And they were made of wood, but they would also wrap it in animal, uh, like animal leather or, you know, and it would be like furry or something. But what they would do, before they would go into battle, they would dip, listen to this, they would dip their shield in water. Now, I know that's kind of curious, but why would they dip it in water? Well, because at that time, people would dip arrows in oil and light them on fire and shoot them at you. And so what, what, what they would do is they would put water on the shield in order to make sure that they w- didn't catch on fire. I, I love that image because, see, see, what the Bible is trying to get us to see is that we have a shield of faith and the enemy is shooting arrows, fiery arrows at us, and we have to be prepared to deal with it. And the way that we're prepared to deal with it is by making sure that we have the shield of faith on. But here's the problem I see. One of the most staggering new statistics I've seen lately blew my mind. You've got to get this. So George Barna just came out with his State of the Church for 2020. And one of the things that he has brought to our attention is that one out of three, get this, one out of three Christians are no longer attending church at all. Not online, not in person. And I don't know where you are in that, but I just need you to hear my voice. If this video gets to you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And let me tell you why. Because, see, you can put on the shield of faith, but if you never dip the shield of faith in the water of the Word of God, you are not going to make it. Let me read it to you. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the good news about Jesus. And so what he's saying is that as you hear the Word of God preached, as you hear that come into your life, it's coming into your home right now. Your faith is rising whether you know it or not right now because the word of God is going forth. And as the word of God is going forth, what's happening? Your faith is getting stronger. Your shield of faith is getting wetter. And so when the enemy comes at you with the fiery darts, you can expel those darts because you have a shield of faith. My friends, it's so important that you get back to it. I know that it's like, this is frustrating. When's it ever going to go back to normal? Guys, let me let you in on a secret. I don't think it is. We have to live today. We have to live and engage today. And matter of fact, I believe this. The moment we start doing that, the better off we're going to be. Because see, God has something for us now. He has a battle for us to fight now. And so we've got to get equipped, put on the shield of faith, make sure we're ready. The fifth thing that's mentioned is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. I I like to call this the believer's sanity. (laughs) Because see, when you have the helmet of God of salvation on, you you can live a saner life. Let, Let me say it this way. Knowing that I am saved, listen, knowing that I am saved creates a certainty 
and a sanity that didn't exist before. Let that sit. See, by knowing that I'm saved, I can enter into this world differently. I can have a certainty of my salvation, and I can have a sanity that comes from the mind of Jesus. As I put on the helmet of salvation, as I begin to understand the mind of Christ, my sanity comes back. Because you may or may not know this, but, 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 but I believe that before Jesus, all of us were a little insane. <laughs> we were all just a little off. Matter of fact, the Bible says we're way off. But when Christ comes into our life, we gain our sanity back. We can see differently. I believe that when you're saved, that the scabs fall off and you begin to see the world that used to be black and white and technocolor. You begin to see differently. You begin to see sin differently. You begin to see your relationships differently. You begin to see everything differently. And so when you put on the helmet of salvation, these are the things that start to occur. And so here's the question I have for you is, are you saved? Like, do you know? Like, if you died tonight, would you spend eternity with Jesus? And my friend, if you don't know that, there's a good chance that you're experiencing some sanity problems. You're experiencing some certainty problems. Because see, I believe 100% that the helmet of salvation as a foundation, as I put it on my head and I begin to believe that God has saved me, it protects me from the darts of doubt. It protects me from the darts of doubt that the enemy is throwing at me and shooting at me. It helps make me stronger. See, do you see it? And so do you know that you're saved today? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Because it's hard to build your life on something that's not true. Number six, and we're almost done, but number six is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this is what I call the believer's weapon. This is the believer's weapon. This is the thing you need to do offensive battle. A lot of these things are defensive. And so, so they're defensive in, in nature. But then all of a sudden you now have a sword in your hand. And that sword is the word of God. There's this great way of seeing it in Luke chapter 4. See, Jesus has gone out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And when he goes out there, the devil starts to tempt him around certain things. And what's so beautiful in that interchange between those two cosmic beings is that Jesus starts to say back to the devil the word of God. See, the devil knows the word of God. And he starts to say it to Jesus. And Jesus says it back to him. And I love that because what he's trying to get us to see is that when we go to war, when we fight spiritual enemies, we need to make sure we know the word of God. Because if we don't know the word of God, it's hard for us to use the word of God, isn't it? When you're in a battle, when you're in one of those positions of doubt, when, when all all the world is coming at you when, when, when you're watching news and you start to see, you, you, you know, you just start to feel the weight of the world or you lose your job or, or someone in your family sick. All of a sudden you feel this weight coming down on you and you're just like, I can't take it anymore. And, 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 and then you just, and then all of a sudden you hear this something come to your mind's eye. It says, okay, 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 okay. I'm an overcomer. Um... I, I'm, I'm, I'm victorious in Jesus. Uh, I'm a son or daughter of the Most High God. I'm, uh, you see what's happening? I, I've been, I'm saved by grace. Uh, I have all the power that raised the, uh, Jesus from the dead through the Holy Spirit. And, and it's, what happens is it starts to lift you, doesn't it? Because you're speaking now to the lie. You're, you're bringing the truth to bear. 
And that's what, why it's so critical that you know the word of God and you can speak it out and you begin to say it over your life because there's power in it, my friends. You've got to know that you have a sword in your hand and that sword is the, the, the word of God. And you know I'm always on you to read it. And that's why, because you need it in the battle. You can't just play defense. You got to sometimes go on the offense if you're ever going to make it to the point that God wants you to make it. If you're ever going to make it to the place and fulfill your purpose and your destiny as a follower of Jesus. Okay, last thing. I think sometimes this gets left out of the list. But the last thing that he talks about is prayer. See, finally, I think it's so important we see this. Because, see, I believe that the whole book is wrapped up in this moment. As he begins to talk about prayer, the whole thing is wrapped up here. Because if you remember back to the first sermon, which you probably don't, I encourage you to go watch it. I mentioned that in this book, there's this phrase, in the heavenly realm, mentioned five different times in the book. And one of the things I talked about is that, that, that Paul is trying to get us to see that there is a spiritual reality around us. That whether we even know it, we are, we are experiencing all the time. I believe that Paul, the Bible tells us that he was taken up in this kind of moment. It was this kind of spiritual moment. And it was in that moment that he got downloaded some spiritual things that I don't think any of us understand. But I believe that when he, he came out of that moment, he had some things to share with us. And I believe this was one of them. Because he talks about the heavenly realm. He talks about that there's a reality around us that we don't even see. And my friends, the thing that I said a couple of weeks ago is that we have dominion over that reality. We are to do battle. We are to do all kinds of things in the physical. But my friends, we are always victorious. We have complete dominion in the heavenly realms. And I know that for some of us that blows our minds and we don't even know exactly what that means. But one of the things it means is that the majority of our battle is done in prayer. You wanna see something change? Pray about it. You wanna see this disease destroyed? Pray about it. You want to see somebody get healed? Pray about it. You want to see a miracle? Pray about it. You need your, you need your uh, relationship to get better? Pray about it. Your, your marriage is on the rocks? Pray about it. Your kid is in jeopardy? Pray about it. Somebody in your family is under addiction? Pray about it. Are you getting the picture? We need to do the war in the spiritual, in the heavenly realms, in the places that we can't see. Because I believe that when we do it, that when we do the work in the, in the spiritual, we will see it manifest in the physical. I believe it. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to see. That we pray earnestly and we do warfare prayer and we spread the gospel and we, we, we go about the business of God. Because why? Because we are a privileged people. We have a privileged position. We are called to live responsibly towards it. And ultimately, we're called to do battle for God's kids because he wants so much for all of his kids to get home. We all, in many ways, are orphans. And our job as believers in Jesus Christ is to get as, every, get as many people home 
as we possibly can. I hope that's your heart. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, be challenged today by this reality. You are equipped, you are empowered with everything that you need to accomplish all that God wants you to accomplish. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Paul and what he teaches us. Lord, I believe in Jesus' name that your word is going forth. And I believe that your word tells us that it will not return void. And so, Lord, wherever seeds are being planted in good soil, would you begin to to take root there? God, I pray that you would raise up a, a, a privileged people who understand their privilege and get to work in this city and get to work in their communities and get to work in the world around us, making sure that we're ushering in your kingdom, God, that we're seeing more and more people come to faith in Jesus' name. Father, would you help us with that? Would you help us with that? We need you. It's not by our might. It's not by our power, but it's by yours. You know, earlier in my message, I talked about the helmet of salvation. And one of the questions I asked is, are you saved? Do you know that you're saved? Because, see, it's really hard to do anything that God wants you to do if you don't know that. And so I just want to ask you today, do you know See, the Bible says that if you don't know that, if you don't have that assurance that you can, matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus Christ came into this world to die for your sins. He beat death because he was resurrected three days later to be able to create a bridge for you to have that assurance. And so I just ask you, do you know? If you don't, All you have to do is reach out your hand spiritually to God in faith. All you have to do is put your faith in Him. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who He says He is. And He'll come in right now and save you and you'll never have to wonder again. And so if that's you, if you'd like to pray with me, if you'd like to pray that prayer, there's ways for you to, to kind of indicate that on the online format. You can just kind of click the button. That, yeah, I'm in. I want to do that. Or maybe you just don't want to do that. You're just like, I'll just, I'll, I'm just with you. Tell me what to do. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. And if this is, if this is you, you don't have to, to, to even say it just right. You just got to mean it. If you're ready to put your faith and trust in Jesus, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I recognize I can't do it without you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you be savior of my life? Father, I surrender to you. Be my Lord. Change me from the inside out. Show me the plan and the purpose you have for my life. I choose to follow you this day and trust you in faith that I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we are so proud of you. Uh, I believe that today you secured your place in eternity. And you can actually go from this place with the helmet of salvation on, knowing and having that kind of certainty. And the Bible says so clearly that 
heaven celebrates with you as well. As a church, we want to be able to celebrate with you. And so please drop us a note, uh, put something in the comment so that we can reach out to you, send you some information to help you on your journey. You can fill out the connect card that says, this is the decision I made. And, and we would love to send you some information. Even if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to send you a free Bible just to get you started. And so we're just so proud of you. Now, just for a moment, I want to talk to you about giving. Guys, I am so proud of you. So proud of how you've been so faithful in this challenging time. I know that many of you, some, some of you have lost your jobs and, and you're still giving. You're still being faithful. Well done. I just, I just know that God is doing some amazing things. I've heard of blessing after blessing because of your faithfulness. See, God is a giver and he calls us to give to him. And, and I'm just so proud of you. Thank you for giving. If you give on a regular basis as a tither or, or even give sacrificial offerings, thank you for doing that. This, what, what we're doing right here, the, the ministries that we're doing in our city all happen because of your generosity. And so I want to encourage you to continue doing that. Uh, there's multiple ways you can give at the church, and, and, uh, but I do want to kind of just draw your attention to what I just believe is the easiest way to give at our church. And that is if you would just simply text uh, Elevation FM Give to 77977. That'll help you get started so that you can start to give uh, in that format. I believe it's the easiest way to do it. And so please take advantage of that. Uh, if you haven't checked out our new app, I'm, I'm telling you, it's really amazing. And if you set up your profile, what's really cool is that if you click on your, your profile, you'll actually give, see your giving records right there in front of you. It's, it's just pretty neat. So I'm excited about the, the, the way that we're utilizing this new technology to make our church better. Let me pray for this offering as we close. God, I thank you so much for how faithful you've been, for the generosity that you've shown to us. Father, help us to be and continue to be a blessing to our world. Father, we ask that you would receive this offering. We ask that you would do amazing things. We ask that you would do amazing exponential things, things that we can't even think or imagine. Father, double it, triple it. Do what you do as we receive it right now. In Jesus' name, amen.